Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit that does not leave us alone. Thank you for your presence that we can sense when two or three are gathered. We pray today that your word of God would come alive to us and that you would illuminate your word to us and that you would allow me to speak the words that you would speak if you were standing here. And I pray that all of us would have hearing ears and our spirits would be receptive to you today. That we would see these gifts that you've provided for us as your power tools, as those those gifts that you've given us so that we could be your body in the earth. Speak to us today, Lord Jesus, and I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. The church, which is his body, I can't emphasize that enough. I keep uh, I keep uh, repeating the title of this series because, as I said last Sunday, it can be we can be susceptible to just honing in on these gifts, especially when we're doing like today, looking at one of these gifts. It's, it can be easy to get uh, to get focused in on just that gift or just the gifts and forget the big picture. I also want to point to your uh, call to your attention today that after our text that we'll read in a moment, we're not going to read it, but after the text, Paul goes into the famous passage about the body of Christ, about the the functioning of the body of Christ, and how that we, excuse me, we are one body with many members, and he, you know this is the passage about the foot and the eye, and if you all of that passage there. And he says in there that God sets in the members as he, as he desires and purposes as he desires. And so this is in the context of a functioning body of Christ in the earth, doing God's work and being God's uh, ambassadors and representatives in the earth. This is in the context of our being God's feet and God's hands in the earth under the government of the head. Where the church is his body, he is the head of the church. And we'll refer to that in just a moment. And so today we come to uh, the gift of discerning uh, of spirits or a number of your versions. When we read the text in a moment, we'll say the distinguishing of spirits. And uh, the fact that actually, let's see, the King James and the New King James will say discerning of spirits. If you happen to have the Tree of Life Bible, it will say that. Uh, most everything else, including the English Standard Version, we will read distinguishing of spirits, which is probably just a little closer to the actual description of this gift, uh, although they are both accurate, discerning or distinguishing of gifts. Now, there have, there's always been activity in the spirit realm, and that's why this gift is so important. And, and, and by the way, you will not have the entirety of what God wants to show you until we get done with this message today. Because all of you, if I was sitting there, my mind would be going to a certain place. But there's always been activity in the spirit realm. Remember that Satan walked up to the throne of God and he said, uh, he reported in basically. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, but you keep protecting him. And you know the story. I'm not going to go through the whole story. But the point is, there was spiritual activity going on in that event. 
And Job, the whole book of Job, which, by the way, is the oldest book in the Bible. So if you'll read the Bible in chronological order, you got to start with Job. And how the, the, the devil was given a certain amount of leeway, a certain amount of room to, to touch Job. He said, but you can't, you can't kill him. And uh, at the end of the book of Job, by the way, it says that God restored to him double what he had lost. There's also the story in Daniel, uh, I believe it's Daniel 10, where he had prayed a prayer to the Lord. And uh, he was praying sometime later. And while he was praying and while he had his eyes closed, the Bible says, he or he said, someone touched me. And I looked up and, of course, it was an angelic messenger. And this someone, this angelic messenger said, I just want you to know that what you prayed was heard the very first day you prayed it. Now, I want you all to listen to this and, and just hang on to something, okay? It was heard the very first day that you prayed it. And he said, I was on my way to bring you the answer from the throne of God. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And by the way, let me just tell you. That's a demon. Okay. In the, in the kingdom of darkness, there's just as much a kingdom and a, remember it's a slice out of the kingdom of heaven. And so the prince of the kingdom of Persia is the demonic influence that is attempting to reign over that particular geographical region. I don't want to get too deep in this, but there, that Persia was not the only place that had one of those. Nashville, Tennessee has one. Middle Tennessee has one. A prince of the kingdom of darkness who would seek to disrupt and distort. So he says to Daniel, I had to fight this guy for 21 days. And then Michael showed up. Michael, an archangel, showed up and helped me defeat the enemy. And now I'm here 21 days later with your answer. So don't think because you prayed a prayer that God didn't hear it. And don't think because there's a delay that God's not going to answer. There's always been activity in the spirit realm. This gift that we're going to talk about today is a provision by the head of the church to arm us against this subtle deception of the enemy. How many of you know that when you're a, you're a kingdom person, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that most of the time the devil not, does not come to you and say, hey, why don't you go out there and kill somebody? Or why don't you go down there and rob a bank? It doesn't work with most of us. But the subtle stuff works. The stuff that we don't see coming and the stuff we're not prepared for, if we're not, if we don't guard ourselves, then he gets some deception in on us. And also, let me just point this out. Sometimes it's not a demonic spirit that we're discerning, but a human spirit that's influenced by the flesh. And sometimes it's God. Sometimes the spirit that we're dealing with is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So uh, as we look into this gift today, uh, let's just let God speak to us. And so if you would turn to the same passage we've been reading, 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to read with starting at verse 1 and uh, read through verse 11. And if you would stand 
while we read the Scripture. And I am again reading from the English Standard Version that says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given, notice for to one, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom or the word of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can be seated. I emphasize this every week, but I want to repeat that verse 11 is, is such a key verse in this passage. That, that the Holy Spirit is empowering these gifts and that he apportions them as he wills individually. Let's don't forget that. So, as we've been doing, we're going to spend just a few moments on what this gift of discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits, what it is not. Um, I, I, I never have been in the banking business, but I'm told that uh, one of the ways you learn to, to determine counterfeit money is that you handle the real stuff. So we're going to get to the real stuff. What it is not. Well, we, we have to start right here. The, the gift of discerning of spirits is not, everybody say not, not. the gift of suspicion. Because if we, if we don't watch ourselves, we'll say, well, okay, the gift of discerning of spirits, that's going to make me suspicious of everybody. And I've been around people, and you have too, when they just they walk up and they look at you and like, okay, well, I'm trying to figure out what, 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 what you're made of. And it's just, a, they're just suspicious. And a gift of suspicion always determines, always decides that there, there has to be something wrong with you or you have to have something going on. So I'm going to keep my eye on you. Gift of suspicion. It's also not the gift of criticism. We would be tempted to be critical of everybody if we thought we were operating in the gift of discerning of spirits all the time. And so we would have a gift of criticism. We, in a similar matter, it's not the discerning of faults. Not the deter, that's not the discerning that you have problems or the discerning that something's going on in your life. It's not the discerning of your faults. Because you say, well, I looked at that person and, and uh, they got all this stuff going on, so there must be something going on there. That's not what it is. Referring to a story I told a few weeks ago about that Brother Charles shared many time, many years ago and also in his recent newsletter about the mailman go, going into the yard 
And uh, seeing the dog, the dog wanted to attack him. He picks up the stick, drops the mailbag, picks up the stick, and chases the dog away. And then determines that that stick sure is a lot of fun. And so now he goes through the neighborhood, excuse me, he goes through the neighborhood looking for more dogs. I can tell you that 40 some odd years ago, pushing 50 now, when we were beginning to hear new teaching, new to us anyway, on this topic and on the topic of spiritual warfare by Derek Prince and and Don Basham and Frank Hammond and several several folks at that in that time, 72, 71, 73. We a bunch of us found some sticks that we liked. And in this story, and this is just something the Lord showed Brother Charles, <clears throat> the mailman is now going throughout the whole neighborhood looking for a dog to work on with this stick. And the Lord said to Brother Charles, his job was not to chase dogs, but it was to deliver the mail. And the mail's laying on the ground. And sometimes God gives us a gift and an ability to withstand the enemy, not so we can keep chasing the enemy with a stick, but so we can deliver the mail. And in our case, the mail is called the gospel, the message of the kingdom. So it's not a stick to chase demons. I remember those days when you, if you sneezed, you didn't want to sneeze. If you sneezed around any of these people, oh, you, you got a demon. Get out of there, demon. You got a demon. Or if you coughed twice, oh, we got to look, you got to have deliverance. Why? Because we had found us a stick we really liked. Thank God he got us past all that. So that's what it's not. There's probably more we could add to that, but what is it? What is this gift of the discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits? Well, it's God's spirit, God's Holy Spirit. Remember, we said that the gifts are the Holy Spirit manifesting himself. It's not just gifts that he gives us, but that's he himself manifesting himself through us. So it's God's spirit informing a spirit-filled believer and a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ as to what type of spirit is being dealt with. It's God's spirit showing us something. It's not just knowledge. And by the way, this is where we're, you say, we, you went out of order in the passage. Well, it's because we decided that we're going to lump these uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits in a, in a category called revelatory or knowing gifts. And this is not just knowledge that God gives us, but it's knowing something in a moment that we couldn't normally know. God's Spirit showing us something. And it's to help us to guard against the deception I talked about earlier. The word there literally means judging through. So we could say that the gift of the discerning of spirits is judging or seeing through or seeing right through to the inner reality with a judgment based on that insight. Seeing right through the circumstances or the spirit with an inner, to see the inner reality. You say, well, you've been eating too much granola. Uh, so I'll get, maybe this one is better. This, if you eat granola, don't get offended. 
The supernatural ability to see into the spirit realm and distinguish the source of spirits, whether it is of God, the devil, man, or the world system. Don't miss that the distinguishing or discerning of spirits can help us in any of those areas. I like to know, if I'm dealing with situation, I like to know that God's involved in this thing. And I don't, and the Holy Spirit will quicken to you and cause you to relate to that and identify with that. He, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you that it's Him that's doing this. But he will also show you in that moment if there's something else going on. And this is a useful power tool that God gives us as we go out there as his body. We have a few biblical examples. Uh, I'm going to read some passages. It's not necessary for you to turn. You can if you want to, if you like doing a Bible drill or a sword drill. Uh, there's a man with an unclean spirit in Mark. Uh, we have, yeah, we got the reference up. And he says, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Now, this is the man who cries out. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, that sounds pretty good. Sounds like, oh, man, we, this guy's spiritually sensitive. But Jesus rebuked him. And how could he rebuke this guy? Because he understood, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that this was this was a, not only a demon but a bunch of demons he said be silent and come out of him the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out jesus understands that he's dealing with a demonic force uh, even though it sounds to the you know to the natural have have you ever known people that they come, they say, boy, so-and-so, boy, that's a good thing they got going on. Man, I'm sure they're really good Christian people. And you say, well, I don't really, I don't sense that. And, of course, it bears it out. Then there's this the spirit of infirmity. Luke 13, uh, he, he says, uh, behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. Disabling. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. Some of your versions there will say, From your spirit of infirmity. And he laid hands on her immediately. She was made straight and she glorified God. There was no diagnosis of a physician. Jesus determined by the power of the Holy Spirit that this woman was bent over by the way, I don't know that everybody who's been over has a spirit of infirmity. I don't think everybody that has a particular illness is always demonic. In this case, it was. And the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus what was going on with this woman. Now, then there's the story in Acts 8. We're not going to turn to Peter and Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer, he says he, was, he believed, but then he started uh, they, something happened and they laid hands on people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simon said, hey, I got my wallet here. How, can I buy that? Can I buy that gift? Can I buy that miracle? Can I buy that supernatural thing you just did? And Peter rebuked him. He said, well, why are you rebuking him? Because there was a, there was a motivation that was coming from his flesh. Again, discerning of what the Spirit is. In this case... It wasn't a demonic spirit, 
But it was a human spirit governed by flesh. Peter understood it. Peter got it. How did Peter get it? Because the Holy Spirit revealed this to him. I hope you're getting this. Um, there's a guy in, in Acts 13 called Bar-Jesus, which basically just means the son of Jesus. But I'm going to call him Jesus because it's not the Lord Jesus. Um, that's like when we went to Mexico for the first time and they said, uh, how do you say to the, to the local kids and such, how do you tell them, do you know Jesus? And they said, well, you wouldn't want to tell them that. And they say, why? And they say, because yeah, I know Jesus. He's a, my uncle. He lives down the street. Except we call him Jesus. So anyway, a different story for a different day. The Bible says Paul and his com- companions, well, let me back up. There we go. When Paul and his companions had gone through the island of Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So you have the proconsul seeking to hear the word of God, and you have a false prophet, a magician. He opposed them, imagine that, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, by the way, this is the first time in Scripture he's called Paul, Acts 13, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, now this is not politically correct, so brace yourselves, you son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. <laughs> Yeah, I bet he did when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, without the gift of the distinguishing of spirits, without Paul having the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit, without him having that gift to see into this false prophet, what would have been different? Well, for one thing, the proconsul probably would not have believed. And he had a word. Now, I know we're not supposed to say mean things today. Uh, and I know we're not supposed to call people son of the devil. And I'm not telling you should or shouldn't. I'm just telling you the greatest apostle who ever lived did when he saw something. And then you have the story in Acts 16 where Paul and And the guys are going through the courtyard, and there's this slave girl. Let me just read you what it says. Uh, You're probably familiar with this. Um, Yeah, this slave girl, the Bible says she had a spirit of divination. Let me just say this. Just because someone seems to be able to tell the future 
and even get it right doesn't mean it's God. Spirit of divination. And she brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Don't miss that. She was a, I'm not saying how big or little she was, but she was a cash cow. She followed Paul and us, Luke is writing this, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God. Now, if you don't have discernment, if you don't have the discerning of the spirits, that sounds pretty good. These are men, these are servants of the Most High God. Well, wow, I'm glad she gets it. You proclaim to who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. Now, I must add here that I admire Paul for putting up with this for many days. I'm not sure I could have. About two days into it, I would have had to address this girl. But he, this goes on for many days. She keeps saying, this servant of the Most High God, they're preaching to you the way of faith, the way of salvation. And if you don't have the discernment of the Holy Spirit, you say, well, that sounds pretty good. But Paul did have the gift in that moment. And he saw through. Remember we talked, it's judging through. He saw through what was going on. And he said, <laughs> said, Paul, having become greatly annoyed. This is wholly annoying. Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it did. It came out of her in that very hour. He saw something nobody else saw. Luke doesn't even mention that he saw it. We don't know who, but Paul saw that what she was saying was taunting. She was mocking them because she had a spirit of divination. Of course, uh, when her owners realized that he had cast that demon out of her, and boy, they got all bent out of shape. Why? He touched their pocketbooks. <laughs> Can I show you human nature? Especially demonic human nature. When the owners saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized them and dragged them into the marketplace. They said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. Yeah, right. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. They weren't interested in the city. They were interested in their pocketbooks. So Paul determines and discerns that while she sounded religious and while she sounded like she was saying some good things, he determined what he was dealing with was a demon. And by the way, I want to show you something else about God's sovereign and providential plan. Paul and his entourage try to go into two different places before this. And the Holy Spirit, as they go into each one, the Holy Spirit says to Paul, not here. Get out of here. This is not it. Sometimes God want, God has a place for you to serve, and sometimes you're trying to serve somewhere else. It's good. It sounds good, and you're saying the right things, and your, your goal is right. But the Holy Spirit said to Paul, not here. And then he went to another place, and the Holy Spirit's not here either. But then you, this is not where you belong. And then he had a dream. Of a man in Macedonia said, come help us, come help us. And you fast forward this story through Lydia and through this slave girl and through her being uh, re, uh, 
having a demon cast out over, which causes Paul and Silas to be in the jail, which causes them to meet the jailer. And Don Basham contended that the Macedonian man in his dream was the Philippian jailer. And I agree with him. I think he was. I think that all of the things that God was doing and arranging, everything, were, were, he, good things along the way. But I think God's ultimate plan was to get Paul and Silas to the Philippian jailer because the Philippian jailer said, what must I do? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, shows Paul about this demon in this girl, he cast the demon out, which puts them in jail, which connects them with the very reason he wanted them there in the beginning with. Now, I hope God doesn't have to put you in jail to serve his purpose. But if he does, please let it be for something that you didn't do. The gift of discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits is useful for us to know what is motivating a person. Whether you're dealing in business, whether you're dealing in the house, whether you're dealing in church, whatever you might be dealing with, the the gift of discerning of spirits will help you to understand what is the motivation behind what someone is saying. There's also the issue, and this happens, I mean, this is possible, that the the Lord will show you uh, a discerning of spirits in that there is a demonic situation going on, and it may be in your life, or it may be in someone else's, but deliverance from demonic bondage comes through the gift of discerning of spirits. You say, can a Christian have a demon? Again, Don Basham wrote a book, Can a Christian Have a Demon? Of course, a lot of people say, why would we want one? The answer, is, the answer is yes, a Christian can have a demon, but the demon can't have the Christian. Did you hear that? Yes. Christian can have a demon, but a demon can't have a Christian. There's also the matter of determining personal words of prophecy. You heard me talk about personal words of prophecy, determining the source, and that is that we should never change our life. We, may, we should never alter our life according to what someone gives us as a personal word of prophecy. But you should take that word, put it on some shelf somewhere, and wait to see what God does with it. You've heard me tell the story about how a young man came to me at a Jimmy Swaggart meeting and said to me, you you uh, go get laundry out of the laundry room for your mother. I said, I do. And then you carry it into the house. I said, I do. He said, do you ever do that and look back behind you and you dropped a sock or a washcloth or several things behind you. You got to go back and pick them up. I said, it happens all the time. He said, the Lord says to you that you're leaving some things behind and you need to go back and pick them up. Well, I knew exactly what he meant. The Lord was on me to surrender to a call to the ministry. And I'm 18 years old. I'm not so sure I want to do that. But I knew God had spoke through this young man. Well, how did I know that? Because of the ability through the Holy Spirit to discern his motivation, to discern the spirit behind what he was saying. But then there was the time that we were in a, a church for a while before we moved to Louisiana. And, and uh, there was a guy that owned a gospel book and gift shop in our area. Everything was way overpriced, which is typical Christian stores, by the way. Don't get me started on that. 
But anyway, he was in, I think he was in our Sunday school class. He was much older than me. At least I thought he was. His name was Brown Spiber. He came up to me one day after one of our Sunday morning services. We were out in the yard at the parking lot. Just, and he said, hey, because I'd been preaching. He had a little building behind his gospel book and gift shop, and I'd been preaching there once a week in this building. I don't know what I was preaching. It must have been really riveting. But he said to me, hey, I had a dream last night. I said, you did? He said, yeah, here's my dream. And I think the, the Lord is saying something. I said, what is it? He said, I'm going to buy a tent, and you and I are going to travel the world, and you're going to preach. Yeah, no pressure at all there. I mean, well, you know, as a, as a whatever, I don't know what age I was at that. I guess I was 20 because our son was, our oldest son was born. And, uh, you know, the ego says, hey, man of power and faith. But the Holy Spirit showed me that not that it was a demonic situation, but it was his flesh. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to, you know, get the tent and travel and be famous and all that stuff. And I just said to him, sir, I'll let you know if the Holy Spirit tells me the same thing. But I don't think so. Well, he was disappointed, but he got over it. And then there's the time that we were in Louisiana, and, and I was associate pastor of our church. Let's see, what was I? I was associate pastor of our church. I was PE teacher and Bible teacher in our school. I was a youth pastor. I'm not sure we knew what to call it then, but uh, and I probably and I visited the hospital every day for our church, and so um, you know it was it was 80 hour weeks back then. And we're sitting home, my wife and I are sitting home one day in our apartment, and young, one of the young guys in the youth group, he's 16 years old, he calls me, he says, hey, can I come talk to you? I said, sure. So he, he's, uh, he's walking, walks over to our apartment, comes in and grinning from ear to ear. And I said, what can I do for you? He said, well, the Lord showed me that you should step down as the youth pastor and let me be the youth pastor. Now he's 16 years old. And I said, oh. And he said, yeah, the Lord showed me. He said, it's a revelation from God. I know it's from God. And, and so you just need to go ahead and resign and let, and then put me in as a youth pastor. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do either one. Because immediately, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of discernment in that situation, but I knew that his motives were wrong. And I knew that he had not heard from God. He had, he had, uh, he had heard from himself because that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the man of power and faith in charge of the youth, even though half of them were older than him. Can I, t I'm giving you these examples because I want you to understand, I want us to understand that there are situations in life when we need the gift of the discerning of spirits. Where, where it might be a demonic situation or a flesh situation or a world system situation. And, and in a lot of cases that we know that God is speaking. In the first example, I knew it was God. Or, cause I knew He confirmed what I already knew. And so there was no question in my mind that this was the Holy Spirit. John, if you want to turn to 1 John 4, um, or just take a note. I think if I, if you have the notes on your uh, version app, I think I might have put this in there. Be, beloved, 
Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. (coughs) Excuse me. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This has not changed, by the way. By this you know that that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, this is just basic logic. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. People are always looking for the Antichrist. Paul said he's already here. The spirit is. Test the spirits. Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? You ask the Holy Spirit to show you. You're full of the Holy Spirit? Pray. God, is this, what, what is this? Show me. Give me the gift in this moment to do this. And you can use biblical precedent when he say the spirit that confesses that Jesus came in the flesh. Now that's from God. But the spirit that won't confess that Jesus came, that's not from God. You say, well, what is that important? Do you, do you realize, I know you do, but do you realize that today we have a plethora of people and organizations and, and uh, churches and preachers and some not preachers who do not embrace Jesus Christ incarnate? And when the world does that, that bothers me. But when the church does that, that really bothers me. And that's, you know, uh, Rob alluded to the the songs we sang today. And and Sean alluded to the songs we sang today. It's important what we sing. It's important that we don't sing fluff. It's important that we sing lyrics as I told Rob in the break, if I, if I didn't have my Bible, some of these old hymns, I could preach them. They're biblical. Very biblical. I heard a song today while I was getting ready this morning that uh, referred to my romantic relationship with Jesus. I'm so in love with Jesus. Now, you might like that, but I don't. Years ago, Stephen Simpson at a youth, uh, young people's conference, preached a sermon entitled, Jesus is not your boyfriend. So don't get me started there. I do not have a romantic relationship with Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my king. I worship him. Okay, I got off tire off. T- we live as natural beings in a natural world, and yet we are partakers of the divine nature of our supernatural God. Since our warfare is not carnal, and we don't struggle with flesh and blood, but rather against world forces of darkness and spiritual forces of weakness, you can find that in Ephesians 6, it is vital, everybody say vital, that we be able to see with God's eyes into the spirit realm as we continue to complete this supernatural mission. I'm just going to blow through this last part 
because I, I, but there's no way I can f- stop here without pointing out the ways of the Holy Spirit. We must understand the ways of the Holy Spirit, both biblically and experientially, so that we can have that gift. He says in the ver- verse part of this chapter, you were led. And we all are led. Now, he said you were led by pagans. And in the pagan worship, there was wild compulsive acts. There was, there was, and this is what he was addressing when he was addressing this church, that they had gone wild and they were doing very crazy things. I, I, I have been in some churches. Come on, come on. When I thought, okay, what's going on here? You know, uh, <laughs> I know I'm going longer than usual, but I hope we're going to get to eat in a minute. Um, we were in a meeting in an outdoor tabernacle, I don't know how many years ago, the cathedrals were singing. And it was a camp meeting kind of a thing in Panama City, Florida. And uh, we were sitting there enjoying this, the, the show. Oh, the show. Shouldn't have been a show. But anyway, the singing. And this was a long time ago. And uh, all of a sudden I heard... This guy come running by me. He was running wide open down the aisle towards the platform. So I watched him. And, you know, he ran from, went across, and then he disappeared. I said, I don't know where he went. Well, I found out because I heard, here he came again. Someone would say, well, the Holy Spirit sure is moving him. Well, I doubt it. Holy Spirit can do anything he wants to. You've heard me say, friends of mine, and they'd say, man, I went to church last night, and the Holy Spirit grabbed me and threw me up against the wall. I said, brother, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's some other spirit that got a hold of you. That's not the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is addressing this because they were led by pagans, and when they were led by pagans, they did wild, compulsive, crazy stuff. But when the Holy Spirit leads you, he empowers us. He does not overpower. Don't forget that. The Holy Spirit empowers, not overpowers. A second thing is all manifestation of the Holy Spirit will harmonize with the truth about Jesus. Just what I just read. Confesses Jesus has come in the flesh from God. Does not confess Jesus, not from God. Truth. Jesus said, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. We need to make sure that God helps us have a discerning of spirits so that we can determine and biblical and have biblical knowledge so that we can determine if someone is saying something about Jesus but it's not true. And there's plenty being said today about Jesus that's not true. That's not truth. If the Holy Spirit is speaking, he is testifying in truth of Jesus our Lord. Amen. And the other thing, if the Holy Spirit's involved, the Lord Jesus is preeminent. I wrote about this recently in the Kernels of Truth. The Lord Jesus is Preeminent. In other words, he's, he is preeminent over everything and everyone. He made the earth. He governs his body. He upholds the world by the power of his word. Amen. 
the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to bring people under the Lordship of Jesus. If what we see happening is not, if we're, you know, if we're just trying to, to be the biggest or the best church or we're trying to be the biggest or the best business or whatever it may be, we need to reassess. Is what we're doing trying and attempting to bring people under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If so, the Holy Spirit's at work. Primary work. So as we engage in life, in all the facets of life that we have and we live, let us ask God to show us those moments. Let us ask God to give us that glimpse of what he sees. So that we can understand why a person is doing what they're, we can understand the motivation behind what a person is doing or saying. So that we can understand the spirit that's behind this request or this, this word that someone's trying to put on us. So that we can understand that maybe we have a problem and the Lord would show us through the gift of the discerning of spirits that we have allowed an open door in our life to, to such a degree that the enemy, as Jack Hayford says, has put fish hooks in our flesh. The greatest description I've ever heard of this problem is that when we allow our flesh, when we keep feeding our flesh, when we keep trying to gratify and satisfy our flesh, at some point the devil says, hey, I believe I can camp out right there. And again, as Hayford says, he puts fish hooks in our flesh. And if we don't watch it, he's got fish hooks with lines that he just tugs. And while you used to have a little problem with lust, but now you've allowed such a, such a grip by the enemy that it, it rules you. And you can't do anything about it because every time you think you can, the devil pulls that fish line and that fish hook in your flesh. And God shows you that you have that problem or a problem. And then he shows you that Jesus is the deliverer. And deliverance is removing the fish hooks. So the enemy has no place. By the way, let me just warn you, as I've already done, let me just warn you that the more we give ourselves to our flesh, the more we invite the enemy. You've heard me tell about the enemy circling our the castle of our lives, the fort of our lives, looking for a crack. And he'll do it just as long as he needs to. But when he finds that crack, we've, when we left a crack in the wall, we've left a crack in the door, the devil says, I, I believe I get myself right in there. And the crack is when we give ourselves to our flesh. Now, everybody in this room who's breathing, and I hope that all of you still are, you have to deal with your flesh. You have to deal with who you are. But you don't have to give in. You don't have to let your flesh rule you. You don't have to let sin rule your life. You don't have to. None of us have to. Lord Jesus, stand with me. Y'all stand with me too.